Hey, what's going on? David Avalon here with another episode of Breaking the Guard with me and Robert Drysdale. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the ADCC 2019 Submission Wrestling World Championships. If you don't know about it, this is essentially the Olympics of grappling, and they invite all the best grapplers all over the world, and it happens once every two years now, so it's always a big deal, and the level of competition continues to get higher and higher. So we go over some of the big matches and upsets like Lachlan Giles um, and a whole host of them that there are some real big surprises that most people didn't expect. And we go over some of the techniques uh, the athletes use, such as with Lachlan, his uh, really excellent use of leg locks and the 50-50 position and his unique entry in there. We also talk about some of the weird stuff that was going on with the rules. Uh, there was a lot of strange calls and a lot of overtime. So me and Rob go over some ways that we could tune that up and make it better. And finally, we talk about some troubling behavior that's happening with uh, sportsmanship and also just the way uh, some of the athletes are conducting themselves. So go ahead and tune in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I would like to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, which is the Backtrap System. I had actually just finished doing a seminar on this uh, course of mine in Burbank, California with the great Alberto Crane at Legacy BJJ. But this has been a course, it was actually one of my first courses that released after the Kimura Trap System. Again, not too creative with the naming, (laughs) but it does describe the position well. Essentially what the Backtrap System is, it's a way of controlling the back without using the hooks. So, you know, in jiu-jitsu, everybody's always getting the the back, and then they throw the hooks in, and they go from there. So I'm actually going over more of a wrestling approach of controlling the back without using the hooks. And there's a few reasons why. One of them is in a self-defense situation, the back mount with the hooks is the only position I can really think of that's a dominant position that you can't disengage at well. And what I mean is, normally when you have the back mount and you're looking for the choke, you tend to be flat on your back with the opponent on top of you, and you're behind them. But if, let's say, somebody just ran in there, like he had a buddy that was going to soccer kick you, being on the bottom, you can't really move off, not not quickly anyways, and chances are if you do move out, you're going to be on bottom as the top man will recover top position. So it's one of the disadvantages. It's also not a good striking position when you're on your back. And um, for those, it can be risky as far as, like I said, losing position if you fail to control the hooks then the guy's on top of you. Whereas with the back trap system, I'm going to show you how to control the back while staying on top the whole time, being able to disengage and will, throw really good strikes, and also score a lot of good submissions. And you can still do pretty much the same submissions you would do from the back mount, rear naked choke, uh, arm triangles, short chokes, bully chokes, arm bars, uh, reversal mopladas, lots of cool stuff there. I'm not saying you, you have to forget about using the back mount with the hooks. Not at all. Of course, it has its place. And I show you how to transition to that as well. But this is a good alternative, especially if you're a bigger guy or you're into MMA and you don't want to risk uh, losing the back position. This is the best way of doing it. So you can visit the website backtrapsystem.com where you can learn more about it, get some free videos. And it's available in both DVD and online streaming formats. So go ahead and visit backtrapsystem.com to learn more. Hey, what's going on? David Avalon here with Robert Drysdale for another episode of Breaking the Guard. We're fresh off the ADCC 2019 World Championships, and uh, me and Rob haven't had a chance to talk to each other yet, so this will be our first time together. Genuine assessment. There was no like we. It was such a rush after. We were planning to do this in California right after the show was over, but it was just it was impossible. Way too much going on, but uh, here we are. Absolutely. So. I I guess we should start off with the thing that's freshest in my head, which is the absolute division, yeah. and go backwards, because yeah. the absolute division was uh, amazing, right? Yes. A lot of fantastic fights. I think the final kind of fizzled out, but I think the opening rounds of action were great. And I think yeah. the guy that stood out the most was obviously Lachlan Giles. Yes. Yeah, he's scoring three inverted heel hook finishes. Because I think on it, yeah, well, regarding Lachlan, just because it's fresh on my mind, I think if you looked at that open right before it started, 
you would have not you would have put him on like the the top three guys not to win kind of thing. <laughs> right. I'm not insulted by that when you yeah. looked at the bracket, like with all those names, right? But at the same time, that was his biggest advantage. Yes. I felt yeah. they underestimated it. Yes, right? 100% they did. So I, remember, I was watching with uh, one of my friends there, and uh, I was he had first round, uh, I, I don't know how to say his name, Kanyan? Uh, Kainan. Kainan. Okay, Kainan Duarte yeah. was just a 99 kilo champion, yes. fresh off the wind, biggest guy, and best guy. Which in itself face. was an upset for that division. Yes. Yeah, right. that we'll was another about upset. that later. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and he's grappling, and I'm watching, I'm like, you know, uh, Giles has a very good leg lock game. Yeah. And going against a bigger guy, that's actually an asset in his yeah. corner because bigger guys have more things to hang on to, bigger yeah. legs, less flexibility, and slower. Yeah. You know, so like those all help the leg lock. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I was, and it was just right after I said this, I go, man, wouldn't this be something if he catches him with a heel hook right now? What an upset. Yeah. And then like 10 seconds later, boom, caught him. Caught him with a heel hook. Yeah. You know, and I felt like from that point on, like, he can keep doing this. Yeah. You know? And well, it was less likely to happen the second time because the surprise element in theory is out the window. Yeah, you would think. You would think. But yeah. it seemed like everybody stepped into his uh, open guard. You know, like they were standing, yeah. trying to pass with their leg in the middle. Like, man, that's, that's a big no-no against a heavy leg yeah, locker, yeah. you know? Which is funny because when people faced uh, Craig Jones, like uh, Mateus, or when they faced Gordon Ryan... They do the right thing where they stay really low, yeah. head centered with their head so they yeah. can't get underneath them. But like, I guess they must have felt like, oh, he's just a little guy. What's I he going to do? That was a big part yeah. of the equation. I think it was underestimating, first of all. He's a little guy. He's unknown. Yeah. I was actually walking um, after the tournament. I was you know, walking towards my car and like Patrick Gaudi was walking the same direction. So I started talking to him and he goes, so do you know who that guy was? You know, Because I know who Lachlan is. Yeah. Right? I've seen him compete. Patrick goes, I had no idea. <laughs> I've never seen him before. You know, and then that was Lachlan's biggest advantage, one of his biggest advantages, other than being exceptionally skilled in that particular area. He was very, um, I think he caught a lot of people off guard because, A, he's smaller. Yeah. And when you're in a heavyweight division, you're not studying the 66-kilo division. Yeah. Like, Lachlan lost his first fight in his division. I'll yes. Tell you why. Whoever fought him, I can't remember who it was, did his homework. You prepared. I think he fought uh, Lucas Lepre. Okay, which yeah. is, but I, regardless of it being Lucas Lepre, because yeah. we're going to talk about that too, uh, I can guarantee you Lucas did his homework. Because yeah. when you get the bracket three weeks before, or who's going to be in the bracket, who's in your division, what do you do? If you're a smart competitor, what do you do? You study every you match. You do your homework. Yeah. You think Patrick Gaudio, Muhammad Ali, and Kainal are studying anyone in the 66-kilo division? It wouldn't make sense. And it was just like one of those things where everything aligned for this to happen because these guys had no idea who he was. He was an up-and-coming guy, right? Relatively unknown, for, you know, in, 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 in at least in the competition circuit. And he has an exceptionally skilled game at something that these guys do not practice as often. And add that the fact that they were, you know, they probably looked at him like, ah, yeah, I'll figure this out. Like, oh, like there was no game plan. It was kind of like you said, they walked in, they're standing, they were letting them put him in like single X and 50-50. And he was like, man, you don't do that with a guy that attacks the legs well. You know, you got to play exactly like you said, like centered. So I think the underestimating factor was a really, really big one. And the other thing is that he has a unique approach to attacking the feet that is different than what you would see from Gordon or yeah. Gary or the DDS guys. Which, and I remember, I saw a video of this a while back, and I thought it was a very interesting concept, where right now, like, a lot of the people are preaching attack, control the knee line. If you control yeah. the knee line, you're going to get the leg lock, particularly when you're doing, like, saddle or, yeah. you know, 411 position. But uh, he said, no, focus on controlling the actual foot. If you can hold the foot in place... The knee line will come after that. Yeah. And if you see when he's grabbing, he's actually holding the toes, holding the, the heel. Sometimes he does like a rear naked type grip just to control the foot, yeah. not trying to submit. And you can see like in, in certain cases, the knee line wasn't there yet. But then when, yeah. He's, yeah. when he's ready to spring, yeah. then You're he right. shot in. And it, it, that makes perfect sense. And I remember like so many times where I thought the guy's knees were out. And I thought they thought it was out too. When Kainan, the knee was like right on that, the frontier, like where he, he's like, he's caught and he's safe. And he was right there. And you can see Kainan is almost like relaxed. Yes. He's fine, fine, fine. Oh, no, I'm not. It was like a fast tap because like I think Phil Lachlan is like, he knows exactly where that border is, right? And knows exactly where to pull, when to pull the trigger. But you're right, I never thought about that. But that makes sense because you keep sucking. Craig does that too. He keeps sucking in that foot all the time. Yes. Eventually, opportunity is going to present itself. And I think these guys are a little, 
overconfident that knees on the outside all the time. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then when it's in for that split second, you get caught, it's You're all done. over. Yeah. And he, he was also using a lot of 50-50. Not, uh, I don't believe any of the leg locks, If uh, I might be wrong, but I don't believe any of them were from the saddle. Where it just where you're seeing a lot of people doing their work here. He was actually doing like I think he calls it like outside uh, sankaku, uh, outside sankaku, where it's kind of like the fifty fifty. But that the, instead of the legs being crossed over by the hip, they're being crossed over on top of the thigh there. So it I think all those things made it a very different situation than than and the fact that the knee line was safe. I think a lot of people had false confidence that yeah. they were okay until they weren't. Yeah. You could even see that. Um, Gordon Ryan played a little bit with him, and he almost got caught. Like there was a few times that, yeah. that Giles had a good bite, and then yeah. uh, I mean, I was thinking in my head, if I'm Gordon, I'm just gonna smash pass and arm triangle. Yeah. And then sure enough, Gordon yeah. like said, "Forget this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna play with his feet anymore." And got the arm triangle, forced the back exposure. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely very uh, impressive. I think he was. There's so many upsets this tournament, and like so many standouts. Stand standouts. Uh, I think Lachlan was definitely. I have a hard time picking between him and Ru, Ty Rutolo. It's a one yes. of those two because Ty, what Ty did to me is very impressive. Absolutely, and being 16 years old, blue belt, and beating Frazato, Mantovani, and then he beat. He had a war. He was beating Kenny Maciel the whole time. Yes, had him in a couple submissions. Well, he that arm tro- the the darst choke in the regulation was really close. He messed there up. Was, there was one point where you see like. Uh, Marcel's face is yeah. just turning, but like it felt like he was too deep. Yeah, he was too deep, A, and he didn't roll on top. That's what you have to do because it's harder to finish when you're on bottom because you don't have gravity. And so you yes. got to walk north, south, put him on their hip, and then you put him away with gravity, right? I think that, and I'm, I'm like commentating, I'm like, I'm like right next to him. I'm yeah. almost <laughs> when like pull my mat, mic out and like, <laughs> bro, do this, you know, because I was really rooting for him this fight. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, I know I'm getting ahead of myself again talking about a different division, but no, like Ty was a big uh, uh, surprise the tournament. Um, I think those two, you know, I think they're the, yeah, the two, the two th- stand. I think like Rodriguez, of course, Dante De Leon, you know, like some of these guys really impressed me as John well. John Blank had a good performance. John Blank had a very good, like, yeah. did better than I think everyone thought he was going to do. I don't yes. think he was expecting to do that well. Yeah, you know? I, I remember, like, I, I was telling you beforehand, like, he's a very good submission, Billy, but he was facing such tough opposition early on. Like, I don't know if he's... And, I was surprised he got Rustam with the heel hook because yeah. there's a I don't know if you've seen that video of Rustam he gets caught like in an early naga, in like a calf slicer that was like, disgusting like yeah like might you feel like you're gonna throw up watching it and he just eats it like nothing, so in my mind I'm like oh this guy it's is untappable untappable yeah. on the legs you know I see him caught but man he got him with a nice inside heel hook and I was like oh everybody yeah. can be caught you know like it's just a reminder like I always yeah. tell people like everybody's human you know, I think I just posted this today yeah you know like everybody's human like there's nobody that's superhuman that you can't tap you know? no absolutely and um, yeah Rooster is like he definitely is a hard guy to tap but like I think it, your joints are all different just because you're flexible in the elbow doesn't mean you're not you're flexible in your heels right so yes you know he's maybe really tough with the calf slice or really wasn't you know hurting feeling the, the, the calf or the knee but the heel hook is just one of those man it's such a short lever Especially yeah. the inside heel hook. Yeah, you it's can't very play around fast, with that. Very fast. Um, what else? So going back to the open, what else stood out? Uh, I thought um, I thought Gordon had an easier route than Bushesha overall. He Gordon had a very easy route, but not on fault of his own. You know, it yeah. just happened no, no, that I, way. Because first of all, nobody yeah. expected Lachlan to just did what he did. Do what he do, and you know, most people would have saw that. So. Uh, Kanyan would have yeah. been the guy he would have faced again, yeah. right? Or or he never faced him, so it would have been him. But then, you know, Lachlan won that, and then he won the next one against Patrick Gaudio, yeah. right? Which is another one which you think that would have not happened. Yeah, Gaudio almost beat Gordon in Nogi Worlds. Yeah. He was very close to beating him, so he was like a guy that could have potentially, you know, given Gordon a run for his money. And then on the other side, he had Najimi, which that flying heel hook that Gordon did, I think was had some really nice submissions, but I think that one took the cake. It, that was, it was probably the best submission of the whole tournament. Very well executed, like yeah. perfect timing, perfect yeah. technique. He didn't even have to rip it, you know. Like it was yeah. like it was already set. And and I, I'm a big Najimi fan, but I always said I remember commenting for ACB with Brawl. and like it was always like very surprising and interesting that Edwin would walk in with like a like a tall stance. Yes, and he's so confident in his counters and 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 his scrambling ability. And that's where the best of Edwin comes out is when he's like really tall and countering, right? But it's very unusual. But again, this is ADCC, and I don't think 
And uh, Gary being especially attacking the legs, it's kind of a scary thing to do to keep your legs so exposed, you know. But as soon as he got that clinch with um, with Edwin, he just jumped. It was beautiful, man. Yeah. It was like a flying scissor, I think it was. Yeah, right? yeah, just yeah. Uh, leg scissors right yeah, into inside heel. beautiful. Up. The timing, like, it was just like they were drilling, man. Like, it was flawless. Yeah, and you could, you could tell it just throw, totally caught Edwin off guard because he didn't even have a chance to do anything. It was just like set right from the get-go. Like, it, it was the fastest submission, or one of the fastest at least. I it would have to like believe it was the 10, fastest. 10, 15 seconds yeah. it felt like to me. So that was really impressive. So that really favored uh, um, Gordon. Regardless of the match being real or not, there's been a lot of talk about that match being real. Um, you know, like, you only contrast the other side of the bracket, Bushish and Muhammad Ali, that's a clash of time. That's a that's a full-on wrestling match. You see those two, they're going to yeah. go this, like, that. that's going to wear you out because both of them have very similar styles. And Ali, he had to go against Tim Spriggs, and you can tell... That they, was a war, too. That was a war, too, and, like, yeah. tactical errors, and I want to talk about that later on, but, like, Tim made some tactical errors that cost him a match because he yeah. lost on a minus point because he went for a takedown and he pulled too soon. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, but like he was doing really well, you know, and but uh, almost had a Muhammad in the guillotine. Yes, his guillotine was on fire that tournament. Yeah, he, he caught Felipe with it. Yeah, and then he, he caught the opening round. Uh, who was it? Jerdop, uh, I believe. Or was it? Not I think it was Jerdop. Yeah, I was, think it was Jerdop. Yeah. And then he caught, almost caught Muhammad with it. It was like that. The elbow show, high. Yeah, elbow high guillotine. Yeah. Very impressive performance by Tim too. Uh, and then we had. The final. Well, let's talk about the third place first. That was Muhammad Ali and Locke. We kind of talked about that already. And I kind of knew but that was going to happen. The same heel hook. Same heel hook. Because, uh, unfortunately, Ali doesn't really have good leg lock defense. Yeah. You know, like, and it was just in the past ADCC where yeah. he faced Bushesha. And Bushesha just did a regular Ashigarami heel hook. Yeah. And Ali rolled the wrong way. Yeah. And like, to me, that's like someone who hasn't trained leg locks enough and doesn't even know the right way yeah, to roll. Yeah. So when I saw him going and locking, like, oh, he's going to get caught. And like, like, was on fire. I mean, he, it was yeah. his day, man, for sure. You know, it was, uh, it was almost like too bad that he had Gordon and not the other side of the bracket because who knows? He might have made it to the final. Yeah. I mean, it would have been know? interesting for him, like, if you had to face Bushesha. I don't know if he would have. I don't think Bushesha would have fell for it. Like, or maybe Bushesha is more more skilled when it comes to the late game than all of those other guys. Yeah. Um. I think Patrick. Patrick's had a lot of. But he basically toe holds. I haven't seen him attack footlocks from fifty fifty. But I could could be wrong. But Bushesha is very versed in the fifty fifty, and and generally speaking, um, the IBJF legal leg leg locks yeah. at least right. But uh, who knows? <laughs> I mean, he was on fire. It could have been a even bigger upset. Imagine tapping Bushesha. Yeah. Right? And then we had the final. What are your thoughts on that final? It was one of the most boring finals I can recall. Yeah, I was ever. a little disappointed. It was, yeah. and to be fair, I don't think it's Gordon's fault, right? Gordon yeah. went to his butterfly guard. Yeah, he's trying to play his leg lock game, rightly yeah. so. Bushesha was overly cautious. Yes, I to agree. the point where he was very hesitant to engage, and kind of similar to the Mateus and Craig Jones match. Yeah, except the difference was that Craig Jones lost patience. Yeah. And then got desperate and made a tactical error yeah. and gave up a point. Whereas uh, Gordon was a lot more disciplined. Yeah. And he's like, I know I'm pushing the action. They're going to eventually give him a stalling point. Yeah. I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, Bushesha got the stalling point and he yeah. won by that. But like, such a lame. I was, like, I was yeah. expecting more aggression on. I, I think Gordon definitely was trying more, but even he could have been more aggressive, I felt like. I think they were both overly cautious. Even though, like, I don't disagree that with the penalty that Bushisha had, I think that yeah. was he was way too cautious, if you ask me. And I don't know if it was just like one of those things where he just because Bushisha's one of the guy that pulls the trigger at some point, you know. Right. He never really did that fight. Um, I would say in general, though, Bushisha yeah. looked very off. Yeah, the whole you know, tournament. the whole tournament he wasn't. Here's here's my, here's what I own. I could be wrong, Dave. The guy's won so much. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, think about that. Like, he's got 13 black belt world titles. Was it 12? 12 or 13. Like, that's a record. You know? So, would an ADCC open weight class change his life? What is it going to do for him? In reality, it's it's a missing title, but... Yeah. it's I don't, I'm, I'm just saying that there's a distinction as far as motivation. Correct, yeah. Gordon just got... I mean, he's a fairly... Much younger than Bushesha. He's, like, fairly younger to the scene. He feels that he has a lot more. To oh no, he's hungrier for it for he's sure. He's definitely hungrier. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was those. That's that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, because Bushesha, the whole tournament looked very lackluster compared to yeah. like other 
events where I've seen him where he just on fire. Yeah, he goes on fire like he he just barely got by Braga Neto, like barely, yeah. you know. Uh, and uh, other matches too, it's just like he just got he did just enough just to win, right? Yeah, and kind he, of yeah, yeah, he didn't destroy anybody. You know yeah. I mean, not not that I can recall that I can recall. He didn't like obliterate anybody. No, he he just barely squeaked by each guy. You know? I agree. And, and whereas kinda, Gordon, yeah. if you he pretty much blew everybody apart except two people, Lucas, which he had a t- tough match with, yeah. but he won with a back take. And then of course with Bushesha, but it was just a non-engagement yeah. issue. Yeah. Although there's a there's a situation I want to watch again because one time Bushesha had a headlock in Gordon's set, and in my head that's two points because he never shot in because you have a single or a double. After yeah. three seconds, you sit. That's nothing. But from a front headlock, I'm not sure what the rules say because he sat from the front headlock, and that's another thing I want to talk about at some point here, Dave. Is the rules? The yeah. it's, there's a they they kept the gray, there's not only is there a lot of gray area, it's like the judges kind of kept that gray area. We're in charge of this gray area. We'll decide on the spot what is and what isn't, and the criteria is like far less clear to me now than it was before this ADCC because I'm not sure what's what the criteria are. I think they need to spend some time figuring out rules and a bigger rule book to make it very clear and definite to competitors what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah, uh, actually, that's funny. Uh, I was chatting with Vinny Magalhães. Yeah. And because uh, he had a similar situation where they given his opponent two points when he thought it was going to be zero because yeah. he had pulled in a certain way. And then he showed me the contrast with the situation with Bouchesha yeah. where there you can look at it. It doesn't look like it was a three-second hold. Because from my understanding, it doesn't matter who does it. If you go turtle three seconds, regardless of how you got there, and then you pull, then it doesn't count. So, But like the timing on the one that the clip I saw did not appear to be three seconds. It appeared to be like a second. And for Vinny. For, no, no, no. For uh, Gordon. Gordon. Right? So that he was saying, you see, they did this. But then in my match, when he yeah. had a three-second hold... And then they still penalized him. And he was the one who pulled because he shot yeah. and then three seconds and then pulled guard. And they gave the opponent two. Yeah. So he's like, if anything, it should have been a minus one if it was something. Yeah. But it should have been zero because it was a three seconds. So like you're saying, uh, the ambiguity, yes. and like you said, the, the gray area is a perfect way. Nothing's black and white in those type of weird rules. So it's like, uh, maybe this guy thinks it's one way, this other yeah, guy thinks it's, it's the other way. Clear. So yeah. it's like, I just, like when Vinny was saying, I just want consistency. I just yes. want to know every time this situation happens, like it's not a coin toss where it's always 50-50. Yeah. Like I should be 100%. I know if I do this, I'm going to get points or not get well, points. Or so whatnot. you know how to prepare. You know, you make the right decision. Like yeah. you can't like, I wonder what's going to happen. You want to know what's going to happen when you go like left or right. And, you know, there was definitely, uh, yeah, with, with the front headlock thing, even if it is three seconds, I'm pretty sure you can't sit because that's not a, a, a near takedown. You have to be going for a takedown and then you can sit. He oh, no, was in could, the headlock. It, no, it could be a defensive action as well, right? Are like, you sure? Yeah. So uh, you, yeah. You, if you double leg me, take me down, and I go on my fours, three yeah. seconds, roll the guard, nothing. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to score. It's the thing that I hate the most about the rules. I, I guess yeah. we might as well talk about rules since we're yeah. deep in it, right? Like, to me, the problem with ADCC is some matches are amazing. Like that yeah. opening round, all submissions, a lot of action, great. But then you have some matches like the finals there, or even with yeah. like, the Craig Jones final with Mateos, yeah. just boring as hell right? yeah because everybody's being so cautious because they know if you get one point you're you're done already like yeah it's so hard it's to score so point. hard to score right so like what you need and i th- we ha- i have to look back and see how many overtimes happened but yeah. at least like 30 percent of the matches went to overtime yeah right and way too apt what i was gonna say like i've never seen a sport where there are so many overtimes yeah this is I, I, there's it's unheard of yeah and no point scored like I know a lot of Americans don't like soccer because yeah, no yeah, points are scored. It's like ADCC is like way worse. Like no points ever. No points and overtimes yeah. constantly, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's a problem, right? So the problem to me yeah. is that you need to make it easier to score. I right? agree. Let's make some changes. And yeah. Because I'd rather see like a 10-7 versus a 0-0 because yeah. that means I know the points are supposed to reward positive behavior, which in ideal sense is supposed to be promoting ending the fight. Yeah. But also, from the spectator's standpoint, it's entertaining. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, this guy did a good technique and it was rewarded. So I think the first loophole they have to kill is that turtle rule. Yeah. And what I'm referring to is, like, any time in ACC, if you're doing a takedown or a, a, a sweep and you get taken down, you go to turtle, you hold the position for three seconds, and then you go to guard, nothing happens. Zero yeah. points. Right? At any point in the match. To me... It's, re- it's ridiculous because the whole point behind a takedown and a sweep is getting top position. 
So if if you're on top of me and I sweep you, and then you go to turtle, and then you go three seconds, you go back to your guard, I'm still on top. Yes, you, you accomplished your mission. I accomplished my mission. So well, like whatever you did means nothing. Well, I go for a step further. I think if you're in turtle, it should be two points. You're yes. on top. And like, oh, you know, well, you're not holding him on his back. It's not wrestling or judo. If this were a fight, I'd be punching you in the head. Watch the UFC. Yes. Like it's a number one TKO position is what? Turtle position. Yeah. That is a very dominant position in a fight. Absolutely. Like the fact that I would rather be in turtle than in guard or half guard or side control for that matter. Yeah. If I could pick a place to start a fight that's not like a submission, yeah. it would be turtle. Yeah. I mean, other than the back maybe. Like I would rather be in turtle than mount, side control, half guard. Because it's it's I mean in a fight in a fight it's such a dumb position and ADCC as well. I think I agree with you. I think that they have to change the rules. Um, the most absurd thing I saw was the fact that they were letting the fight go not only out of bounds. We're talking on concrete. Yes. yes. And they were still and the, everyone's waiting like you know and they don't say stop and then they're gonna find out what's gonna happen and the action is still going. People are scoring points on concrete yes. after the match was like it should have been stopped like 15 seconds ago. They're still going on concrete. And the match is just going on, man. And three people got seriously oh. injured, right? Oh, yeah. There was Yuri Simos. He hurt his knee. You had uh, Felipe Pena, yeah. who probably rib. popped his rib. And then you saw um, Mike Perez crack his head open and yeah. he was bleeding. You know, so it's like, right. come on, guys. Like, we're like, this is you gotta a stop professional the sport. Early, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, we got to no. Yuri got his back taken by Kainan. Like the whole sequence to the back took place out of bounds. Like none of it was started inside. The whole sequence, it was, you have to watch it. It was yeah. like a like a 10 second sequence. Uh, and then the judge is just like looking, like the referee is just like looking at it. It doesn't do anything. I'm like, and these are the things that they absolutely need to fix. And I have a theory why it's going on. They don't have enough matches at ADCC, very few matches. And they only referee what? Once every two years. Imagine if you only trained every two years. What would happen to your jiu-jitsu? Yeah. It wouldn't be great, would it? Like, you, you get rusty. You don't remember the rules. You know what to do. Yeah. You know, getting caught in a triangle, bad. Getting someone in a triangle, good. But you're not, your decision-making is not quite there. So I think a lot of these referees are maybe lacking experience. And because, like, for example, like, trial and error is what perfects any system. Any system you have, right? Any rule set, anything. Your iPhone, like, you use it enough. You know, Apple spots the mistakes. What do they do? They bring out an update, right? Trial yeah. and error. When you have a lot of competition, like IBJF has a lot of tournaments, they are able to spot the problems and they can what? They can fix them. Then you end up with a bigger rule book. book. True. But those are what? That is a consequence of what? Trial and error. When you don't have a lot of experience, what happens? You end up with, you know, people that are unprepared because they just don't have that that know-how. Yeah, and a lot of situations they never encountered and don't know how to handle. Yeah. And they're like, oh. Let it play through. Wing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt they were winging it a lot of times. You know, like, I don't know what to do, uh, you know, this or that, you know. But it, for the competitor, that's a nightmare. Yeah. Because your life, that's your livelihood right there, man. Yeah. That's the most important term in, you know, on the, for any, you know, grappler. And they're not sure what the criteria are. Yeah, and uh, that out-of-bounds thing is the second biggest problem. I think the turtle is the, one, is the biggest one, yeah. closely followed by yeah. the out-of-bounds. Because, one, it's inconsistent. Because sometimes... You see, like with Yuri, they let the situation play out, yeah. and they restarted them from the same position yeah. inside. And sometimes you'll see someone score a clean takedown, and then they just start back on their feet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so like, who's getting favoritism? It's, you know, like between clear. who wins and yeah. who's not. But like in general, people are always going to flee out because there's no penalty. And like 99% of the cases, you just get a restart from your feet. So like, of course, like you're taking me down. Yeah, I'm going to go out of bounds. You know, and maybe I'm not even fleeing the map, but I'm just backing up as you take me down. Mm. And, let it happen. And the other one that really I thought um, it was not correct. The sweep uh, criteria is not clear to me. I, me and Brawley were talking. We're like, was that not sweeping? We're missing something. They changed the rules. It happened at least once in the Jamil Hill and uh, Nikki fight. Maybe twice. Can't remember. And in the Mason Fowler fight against Craig Jones, oh, same I, thing. He swept him. Like, where are the points? Me and Brawley are like, where are the points? We, we're not understanding. With the you know, did we miss something? Yeah. They, it, they. So I remember the Nikki Ryan one with yeah. Jamil Hill. So Jamil was on his back. And he stood up with a, I think it was a single leg X or, or whatnot, but it ended up being like a single leg. And, oh, no, no, okay. So he's, it was a mid-sweep. Somehow, as Jamil was standing up, Nikki Ryan got the single. Jamil threw a Kimura trap, yeah. flipped, but he, he didn't hold it well, and he ended up on his back. And then they gave Nikki two for a takedown. Yeah. But everybody's like, he started off his back. 
Yeah. And he's still in his back. Yeah, there's no progress. So, yeah, so they said, if anything, then you must have given him a sweep at some point for him to be able to get the takedown again, right? And I, I think that one thing that happens, too, is everyone's a little scared to complain at ECC because it's an invite tournament. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to talk about that, but that dynamic is going on. I can see from my, everyone's like biting their tongue because you know if you burn that bridge. You're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, even as a coach, you're like, Okay, you're, you win. <laughs> you know, have it your way. Yeah, because you're going to contrast how people complain in other tournaments. Oh, absolutely. There was no complaining. Yeah, and people just, you just see them eating it. It's like, because yeah. it's an invite-based tournament. Yeah. Like, most people get invited. And if you're, if you're a coach or a team leader in general, you go, like, oh, I don't want to screw everyone else for the next tournament, you know. Yeah. It, and, but that's something that has to be discussed because it, 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 it is a problem you can very clear. I think that there's been some debate about this being the best ADCC ever. In my opinion, as far as techniques go, it's been consistently getting better every single edition. For sure. Right? So that this one holds true to that pattern. Yes. Right? But when it comes to the criteria, the, the like so many overtimes... Um, I I think that was that that was it, it was not that was not the best ADCC. No. I thought it's upsets and excitement. I think it was definitely up there. You know, I think yeah. it was a very good ACC. Yeah, I think that like you're saying, the scoring was really very inconsistent this yeah. time around. Like yeah. there was a lot of situations you're like, what? It's not making sense. Yeah. So yeah, I think the turtle thing's got to go. I think the out of bounds they should use. Uh, they should penalize. So yeah. either, I think one of two things, either if I do a takedown or a sweep that lands out of bounds, whether or not I had control, point. Yeah. Right? Whoever's on top, you score. Something. That way, you know, it's going to discourage people from like, oh, you know, even like if it wouldn't have finished inbounds, I can't allow a takedown to start, you know, and move me out of bounds. Yeah. I'm not going to move out of bounds to flee it because it's going to hurt me. Or to, to me, I like the extreme, which is more black and white, which is you get pushed out of bounds, one point. Yeah. I don't care what's going on. You know, you land a body yeah. part out of bounds because then it's going to force people to stay in the middle. Yeah. And then, you know, when people stay in the middle and they're pushing into each other, it's going to be a lot easier to score takedowns. You know, like we, we should, at some point, maybe, like, sit down and discuss some of these, like, write down some suggestions and maybe send it to some of the refs. Oh, I have to. Like, because I, I've I think had this written helpful. out for years because yeah, I ran yeah. a grappling tournament. My brother and I in Florida, like, we called the International Grappling Championship. It was back, like, in... 2004 and we used this rule set it worked great there yeah. was there i don't think we had a maybe like a handful of overtimes and yeah. hundreds of matches because the other thing i was going to say a third thing is that people don't like pulling guard and then you see all these weird ways of people trying to shoot yeah. pull three seconds and pull because they don't want the minus point and then you're going to lose the way we did it minus you pull guard you lose a point yeah if i stand up i get a point right because I neutralized, right? Like, what did yeah. I do? I pulled guard, which I'm conceding top position. Yeah. It's an inferior position. So, yeah, uh, yeah you, you penalize yourself. But if I'm able to escape and get back to, to my feet. I like that. You force the other guy to hold them down, too. Yes. And then, but it also like works that. in another yeah. way. You take me down, you get two. I escape, I get one. Wow, you couldn't control me. I was able to get up, and I had to use technique to stand up. Yes. It rewards the action. I like that because it prepares you for a real fight, too. Yes, exactly. What happens yeah. in MMA? You, you get down, you're going to get back up. I like that. So that's smart. I like that. It makes and, a lot of and sense. And it, it also gives a guy on bottom a chance to score now, yeah. like just by standing up. Otherwise, some people just concede and they just sit there and do nothing and it gets it gets a little boring. Um, so th those are, those are things we, I think most people agree on some of these aspects of ADCC. The other one was there, it was a very contentious ADCC in the sense where there was a clear rift between the crowd and you know, amongst the competitors, and in in I, I I consider it a cultural shock, Dave. It's not just a matter of technique or you know I'm rooting for my team, you're rooting for yours. They're very different approaches to sport, right? Uh, there is been a lot of trash talk from promoters, from competitors, from coaches. And that is unusual in the culture, right? Yeah. It's something that's been on the rise for some for some time. But this event, it was like the the culmination of that of that sort of behavior. Like we literally had Gordon flipping off the crowd, you know, at the after he won this fight. You yeah. know, which to me is like I can't imagine that happening in the Olympics because we're calling it to see the Olympics of grappling. I cannot imagine that happening. Or in a, in a judo tournament, can you imagine that in a judo tournament or even collegiate wrestling? I don't know. Yeah. Did that happen? No, it doesn't. It, that 
that would be big news if somebody did that. Like, I, imagine like Jordan Burroughs and like I can't imagine Jordan Bur yeah. Burroughs doing that after winning the Olympic gold medal, like flipping off the crowd. Like I just don't see that happening. And then once and the crazy part is like when you criticize these people, they call you a hater because you don't applaud their narcissism. It's like you're acting like you're at odds with everything the sport represents, which is respect, right? Yeah. And, I, and like, humility. And then whoever criticizes that is a hater, which is a strange dynamic to me. Like, it's, well, you're the one who's hating the crowd for not liking your, you know, childish behavior. Yeah, and similarly, you had another form of this, which was like Cyborg, when he lost. Yeah. He started throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. And then he actually just bowed out of the tournament out of protest because he got upset and this is kind of yeah i think it was obviously because he was facing the same team that because he's yeah there's some rivalry between him and the the the, the, the gordon DDS camp. Yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah so like i think to lose to one of their guys again yeah. and, and then again that was close zero zero ref decision type thing it i just, don't think cyborg got ripped off i no. think it was close enough to go to gone either way if I were to judge, I would have given it to Cyborg because it was a submission. I think you guys always valued submission more than position in terms of uh, reward. Personally, right. it makes more sense to me, right? But uh, I don't, I don't feel he got ripped off. But I, anyway, I agree. I think that anytime you 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 don't accept defeat for what it is, you know, you don't blame the ref. I mean, even when you just, I've many times I disagreed with refs. Oh yeah, but I I, I think that a matter of. The, the, the cultural shock I'm really talking about, Dave, is, like, I I like the Japanese style. I uh, like that. Yeah. Like, the, the, the bow, respect your elders, respect the people who taught you, the people who came before you. You don't use that, you know, when you're representing the sport, you don't use foul language. You avoid it, at least, you know. Yeah. And if we've swung all the way towards pro wrestling. It's like it's so close to pro wrestling now. I don't even recognize the sport. And you can see, because it's more of a Western tradition. Like, you know, the West comes from boxing. It comes, pro wrestling is huge in the West. Japan, too. But I, I think they take it differently there. Like, they don't, it's, it's, it hasn't gone over to the martial arts, the real combat at sports. Like, it doesn't transfer over, right? Um, and, you know, it's to me, it's odd. Like, in that sense, I think it was the worst ADCC ever because I don't like this sort of behavior. I don't think it belongs in, in martial arts. But, you know, that, and specifically to as far as the, the, the lack of respect the competitors were showing to before, during, and after the fights. Yeah, you know, it goes against the, the ideals that we ascribe, at least in Western society, to the martial arts, yeah. which is like yeah. you're saying, it's humility, respect, honor, and all that. And when you have people flipping off the crowd or you have people talking trash, yeah. it sets a bad example, I think, because ideally who we want the next generation to be, the yeah. kids coming in, and then they're looking at that. Yeah. And this is like part of the... Conor McGregor effect yeah. as well, which they realize, you know, you, it's much easier to get attention by slapping people yeah. than it is by shaking their hand. Yeah. So now everybody's going around, it's like a slap fest now. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality of human psychology. Yeah. Like I always said, like, if I walk up to you and I slap you in the face, you'll remember me for the rest of your life. Yeah. But if you have a random guy shake your hand, you'll forget yeah, me, yeah. right? So we remember pain more than we remember like a good memory. You so yeah. everybody's lasting impression when they see someone do this shock culture stuff, yeah. it's always going to stick, you know? Yeah. But it just sucks it has to be that way. Well, I, I think that, like, for example, like I could, for example, there are certain IBJJF rules that I don't like. I've never liked them. But I've used them in my favor. Yes. Can you call me a hypocrite? I've always thought I've given this a lot of thought. I don't like the rule. I think it's crazy, right? But I use that in my favor because the rules allow me to. Yes. There are tax loopholes in this country I think are absurd. I've used them like everyone else. Yeah. I don't like them. I think they're crazy, but I use them. Am I a hypocrite? If there's a rule I don't like in a tournament, right? I can't call the competitor a hypocrite. I don't blame these guys so much for doing it because they get rewarded for it. They're getting money. You know, I, want to be, I, mean, I don't agree with it, but I understand where they're coming from, right? What I don't understand are people people who applaud that behavior. That I don't get. Because, like, if I saw someone, if my children behave like that, like, I'd, I'd smack them. Like, yeah. you don't behave like that. That's not how you treat other people regardless of, even if someone had said something, first, you still don't do it. I think it's wrong. It's, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, if something's wrong, it's wrong in principle and the story. Um, but this just doesn't seem to, to, to be the case. Like, people actually, it's like the crazier you behave, the more obnoxious you are. And I think it's... 
I mean, you mentioned human psychology. I think that there is an aspect of human psychology, but we know that the opposite is possible because we've seen it as well. I think it depends what kind of, what, which plant you water. You know, you water the one that, you know, breeds arrogance or the one that breeds humility and respect. But it depends on which direction we go as a society. But it's, uh, it's I think, it's a symptom, David, of something much bigger than jiu-jitsu or grappling for that matter. Oh, it's course. something that's, you know, we've watched the rise of not only the Connor, but the Kardashians, you know, or the Paris Hiltons of the famous for being famous and be obnoxious online and people love it. And and that's what's so odd to me is that people love that sort of behavior so much. I want to be entertained. Are you that, cr why can you not entertain yourself with good technique? Yeah. Like that's what I'm after, man. I want to see the flying heel hooks, man, the jumping guillotines, the, the slams, the arm bars, the transitions. What, what's wrong with that? Is that so, why, why can't that entertain people? Maybe I'm different. I don't need the soap opera. I don't need this trash talking. I think uh, grappling is amazing for what it is technically. The, the, the hype is not, it's completely unnecessary. It doesn't make me like jujitsu more. It makes me dislike it, if anything. Yeah, no, I agree. I, like, I always like the guys who are, I consider good ambassadors yeah. of the sport. You know, that's why, like, when we had Mikey Musemi here, yeah. it's like, it was so refreshing because he's a young guy, yeah. he's got his head on straight, yeah. you know, and I think, uh, I've heard a little bit from Ty Rotulo, he seems like a really nice kid yeah. too, and so that's promising, you know, but we do have these people who are just exploiting the the tendency of people to want, and what you're talking about is true though, like, you don't see this happen in the Olympics or... Yeah. And to a lesser extent, this doesn't really happen too much in professional sports like NFL, yeah. NBA, because the athletes get sanctioned or they yeah. get penalized, right? Because the NFL and stuff, they say, well, these are ambassadors of our brand and yeah. they're making this look bad. We're not going to get yeah. the sponsors, blah, blah, blah. So at some point, you wonder if people in grappling or you know, even in mixed martial arts are going to start holding those type similar standards to their athletes. Like, you know, you can't go around smacking people or smashing yeah. cell phones but yeah. at this moment is rewarded right like if you look at the ufc oh, it blows it's rewarded. Up. yeah it blows up. you look yeah. at uh you know like, like gordon you know he's getting rewarded you know the crazy part he's is getting like so much coverage from flow well, grappling yeah like you said you can't blame him like you'd it's almost in the sense like you'd be stupid not to do it yeah because like he's blown up yeah, i blame more the crowd than him but the crazy thing is that you get like a Connor when he throws a trolley at a, a on a bus or like he punches some old guy at a bar. That helps him. Oh yeah, that's insane to me. That something like that actually helps him. I think he does this shit on purpose. Oh no, yeah, he yeah, yeah. breaks someone's phone because it actually makes him more money. So it's like we're living in this crazy time, and I can't. I will not give in. This is a. I think it is an expression of human nature. It is not the only expression of human nature. We have seen better. But we're living at a time where the crazier you are, the more disrespectful, the more arrogant, the more obnoxious, and the more ignorant you are, the better. Like people are applauding idiots. Like let's let's like, you know like every person who acts like a total idiot gets put on a pedestal, and the people who act respectfully, like I know I'd follow Augusto Mangistanquinho for many many years. I have never seen that guy say a bad word about anyone. Yeah, I have never seen him disrespect anyone. You know, he's not loud. Most people don't even know who he is. He even complained when he won. He got the mic and he said, like, when are you guys going to give me some my proper recognition? I've won this, 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 this. I've been winning consistently for 15 years. I've beaten everyone in the business. And you guys have given me zero media. When he's absolutely correct. And I was following, like, the, the feed, you know. And it was, like, for every post of these other guys, there were, like, six, seven of, of Gordon. And, yeah. and that is right there. I don't blame Flo Grappling either. That is a reflex of... The but crowd. Yeah, that's what the they're people going. Are. It's a business. They're trying to go where, like, what are the the analytics saying, right? Yeah. You get more recognition for this. You go in that direction. It's a business decision, right? Um, I mean, I personally wouldn't, you know, I would, I wouldn't do that personally, but like, I understand where they're coming from. But when it comes to uh, the crowd rewarding that, that's what's so unusual to me. Like that to me is a big mystery, and I think it's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's a cultural trend that I hope changes because it's not, I think it's not the best representation of the human spirit. Uh, it definitely isn't, you know. Uh, hopefully that turns, but yeah. we'll see. But I, yeah, I'm sorry. I just laughed. I literally saw today Nick Rodriguez was being interviewed and someone like, uh, um, someone interviewed like for the, and they asked him, so you think Cyborg is done? Which to me is just such a disrespectful question. Cyborg is 39. Yeah. He has absolutely nothing to prove. Granted, I don't agree with his behavior after the, after the fight. Yeah. I get that. 
But the fact that anyone can even ask that question is such an idiotic question. He's 39. Look at what he's done. How dare you even ask the question? Yeah. To me, you know? And then the response is, I don't think he was ever there. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who's like in his early 20s. And he's saying that to Cyborg, who's like double his age. Like, it's so, it's, it's, it's gone beyond disrespectful, man. Like, we've reached this whole new level of like, you know, like, forget the people who have paved the way, the road that you walk on. You are walking on a road that was paved by the people you're disrespecting. And no one seems to think that's a problem. It's like they get applauded for it. Like, it's like morality got flipped on its head, David. Like, I don't even know. I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's a big mystery. And I, like I said, I hope it stops at some point. Hopefully, you know. But um, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it, might, it looks yeah. like it's getting worse. Yeah. Because now the young generation is watching. I'm like, oh, that's what I got to do. Yeah. So now we're going to have a lot of teenagers. Everything. And it's oh, it's not going to be one Gordon in the future. Yeah, It's going to be an army of gold. Man, I, I hope I'm... I'm uh, I hope I'm no longer around jujitsu by then. I hope I don't want to be around to see it. It's going to be ugly. Well, let's get back to some of the recaps yeah. because I do want to talk about some more of the upsets, particularly in the women's uh, under sixty kilo division. That was a big one. Yeah, we uh, definitely were surprised in that yeah. one. I think uh, the well, Bia faced off with Fion. Fion, that was the. Semi-finals. Semi-finals. Yes. And, you know, we had thought Bia Everyone had Bia. I think everybody I think Fionn David probably. I think everyone <laughs> had Bia in the beginning of the tournament. Like, she was a favorite to win. And Fionn surprised everybody. Got a guard pass. Went to the mount. Got a mounted triangle. And then Bia started turning. It became like an inverted triangle. Yeah. A reverse triangle. And then switched off to an arm lock. And what a brutal Nasty. arm lock. Nasty. And Bia's a, is a trooper. She she ate it probably more than I wish she would have. If she... If she... There's, if she tapped, it's because there was no way for her. I think she like, like hung in there way longer than she should have. Yeah, I'm you know? hoping she dislocated her elbow and not which, tore everything. And not yeah. torn everything. It looked yeah. like because it moved. It was such a big jump. I think it was a dislocation, which is actually better. It than, is better than tearing out or breaking a bone or something. Like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a brutal armbar. And then you had the twist on the other end. Um, where then Fion goes up against uh, Bianca in the finals, and then she gets brutally toe-holded yeah. and has to be carried out. So it's like you live by the sword, you die by the sword. It was a, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, that was a big upset. I did not expect Fion to uh, beat um, Bia. Yeah. The other upset was, I want to talk about upsets now, Dante Leone and Lucas Lepre. I had Lucas to beat JT in the final. I had JT, and like, yeah. I think Lepre's going to win. Um, I had Dante. It's very impressive, man. That's a huge win. Yeah, big, big feather in his yeah. cap right there. And uh, I, I think it's one of those things. It's kind of I feel bad for Lever because he's won so much already. And but ADCC is the one thing that keeps escaping him, man. Like he's so close. He's lost two finals, and now he lost an up and coming guy. Huge win for Dante. I, I had that was the biggest upset determined up to that point. And then afterwards, there were so many. Like I don't even yeah. know which one is the biggest upset at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to cover them all, you yeah. know. But. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting matchup. JT did really well. He beat Wagner. He went Huge to the win. finals. Like, he fought perfectly. Yeah. Made no tactical mistakes. And he, he beat uh, Gordon in the semis, right? I think. It, no, not Gordon. No, I'm sorry. Gary. Gary. Yeah, Gary in the Tomlin semis. Huge in the win. Sem yeah. yeah. With a back take. I believe. That was the best Gary I've ever seen, by the way. Gary looked phenomenal. Yeah, it was like because like he he was he's been doing MMA, so yeah. I'm thinking his you know his submission game may be less sharp because he's gonna be working his hands, you know, so and so cage wrestling, whatever. Best Gary I've ever seen. Yeah, he looked great. I yeah. thought the same thing. I thought, well, he's focusing on MMA. He was like a kind of a last-minute replacement type deal, filling mm -hmm. in for somebody. Or not last minute, but, you know, he wasn't in there the whole time. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, he's probably just doing this to have fun because he's a funny guy, you know what yeah. I mean? He, and he had the best outfit there. That was a pretty funny outfit. Yeah. He had the <laughs> Uncle Sam. Yeah, I don't even flag. know what that is. <laughs> He's the one guy that I like his sense of humor because it's very self depreciating. I think yeah. you know, what I mean, like he makes himself look like a clown, you know. Yeah. Like, but it worked out for him. But his wrestling was on point. Like his, his match wrestling was on point with Hanato Kanuti. He was throwing throwbys and shucks all over the place. Yeah. Like really good wrestling. So that's why it was even more impressive. JT just again was able to put it on him. Like JT, as a very two time ADCC champion, amazing performance. Very impressed with JT. Uh, especially because he's not living in San Diego anymore. He like, yeah. he's got his own gym, which has responsibilities. That means he's got more, more things to do, man. Like in less time to train and focus on himself. So very impressive. But you know, he carried the vibe of being a champion. Yeah. Right. Like when he was challenging for 
he was at the challenger position. I don't know. There's a different aura people give off. You know what I mean? Like he, when he's in there now, it's like he is the man. Yeah. You know? So like I think that carries a lot of weight when you have that belief in yeah. yourself. So and it showed because he played an excellent game. And um, it was he was consistent throughout the whole event. Yes, that's consistently like good, well rounded. And I remember when he was fighting Wagner. Wagner was really trying to get into his head, get him yeah. emotional, like because that's what Wagner has. Like if I upset you, now you act emotionally, you make more mistakes, yeah. right? He was stoic the whole time. He kept his cool. Like his expression didn't change. It was just like I got a mission. I'm focused on the mission. So very impressive performance by JT. Who else? I'm trying to think. We had spoke of Ty. Yeah. Um, the women's division, Gabby winning the, the over 60 kilos. Yeah, no surprises there. No surprises there. She's a four-time ADCC champion now. Again, like who's gonna stop her? So and it was yeah, <laughs> tough one. Oh, that girl Karina Sanchez did really good. She beat Nacelli de Jesus, which I yeah. did not expect. It was a good win. Um, but overall, man, I think technically, like I said, which is really what I'm looking at. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't like the, the, the other things I talked about, like the, the, the disrespect, you know, the, I think the refing was pretty bad, uh, the judging and the refing. But, uh, you know, I, what I'm really after, my favorite thing about the sport has always been the, the display of techniques. And in that regard, I think that jiu-jitsu has still been proven, man. Like, I think Lachlan is the, key, the king of uh, heel hooks, not... Anyway, like he, what the stuff he was doing was on a different level, man. It was very, very, yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, he, he, the display he, of the techniques into getting there was was beautiful to watch. Like yeah. it was beautiful technique. You're gonna see everybody's gonna start working that now. And oh, it, it was funny uh, on the on Instagram. He had put a post there, and then Ali goes, "We need the DVD as soon as possible." And then he tagged Patrick Gaudio and Kanye. So like. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, he wins the internet. No, yeah, but like, appreciating quote. You know? But like, it's it's. I like that. Yeah. I think that's the way it should be. Of like, you yeah, know, yeah. and and Lachlan is he's a class actor. How did he act when he won? Yeah, he was happy, celebrated with his wife. You know, he was respectful. He hasn't act like an idiot. You know, like, and that's and and man, it's it's beautiful when you win. Congratulations, congratulations to to to, to Gordon and everyone else who went and competed in the tournament. Yeah. if you're there, you're awesome. You're incredible. Yeah. you know. But let's let's keep the culture awesome. But uh, another thing. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, was uh, Galvao with Felipe Pena. Yeah, that's right. First of all, Galvao looks enormous. <laughs> looks like he's a, like a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, he's like, literally yeah. like, my God, man! Like he was so vascular, it was crazy. Yeah. And uh, his, I, I think his game plan for Felipe was very intelligent. I think. I was surprised he took him down so early in the fight, but I think he did that to wear him out. He wanted to wear Felipe out, and that was clearly his strategy. Not quite sure why he took him down so early in the fight when there were no points. Yeah. But the game plan worked because he beat Felipe because Felipe got tired. I was very confused as what Felipe was hoping to achieve because he got in a bunch of times where he'd be, he'd get under the leg, get towards the back, and he would have like kind of like a calf slicer, but not really. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's going to either... Like, I didn't think he was going to go for a leg lock. I thought he was going to use this to climb, go for the back. But he never did. Mm. Right? And he did like five or six times where he would get that position. He yeah. would work to get it. But then he would just stick there. And then eventually, Gabao would just escape. So, like, I wasn't sure, like, how he was seeing himself winning this fight. I don't know if you had any ideas about that. About... The, about Felipe Pena's strategy because I it wasn't clear to me what his strategy was. Yeah, because I, he kept yeah. doing the same thing. Like I don't I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He would get under the leg and uh, uh, Galvao would turn and he would be like in a calf slicer. Not and really. Not, yeah. And, but I, I I figured he's not gonna try to leg lock Galvao. Galvao's very good at leg lock defense. I thought maybe because I've seen people do that where they get to the calf slicer position, but then they use that pressure to climb up the back. And I know he's a big yeah. back taking guy, so maybe yeah. that's what he's doing. But like. He never used it. You know, he, I think physically he seemed off. I saw. I think I saw something on his Instagram. Don't quote me, but I think he had some health issues before. Mm. And I, I can see that because physically he wasn't quite there. Like you can see his reaction was a little off. He got way too tired, way too fast. Like he was not as explosive and as dynamic as he normally is. I had him as being the more dynamic one in the fight. I thought Andre would gas before he did. But like, no, Andre gassed him out. And that was exactly... I, th I believe, believe it was his game plan because he executed it perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, huge win. You know, I was, that was the best Andre Galvan I've ever seen, by the way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> physically as well. Yeah. Yeah. Guy is freaking monstrous. So then you have that matchup with him and 
So I guess they're saying he's going to stick around for another two years. People are like, eh, I don't, I don't know. know. You know what? He doesn't have to. He, he doesn't does. have to. He's got absolutely nothing to prove, man. Like, what an amazing career. Gi, no gi, and MMA. How many people can say that? Yeah. MMA doing stellar, but he fought. You know, you got to yeah. give him credit for that. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to do. No, for sure. Anybody and, that goes, crosses over. And again, oh, you're doing different sports, you know. Yeah, and, and he's been doing that. And not only that, he has put together arguably the best team in the world. Yeah, that's a pretty good resume. So I, I give under a lot of problems. In my opinion, he should retire. I don't think he's got a thing to prove. But if I know Andre, he's not. Yeah, yeah. I think if I if I know him well enough, he's going to do it again. And I hope he does. But I hope he retires too. I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know which one I want. I would like to see him with Gordon, but I think be an I think I, I think he should retire. You know, I, he's he's got nothing to prove. It would be an interesting matchup because Gordon. You know, whether or not you like the antics, right now he's on his path to being the best American best, grappler. Well, not best, best no-gi grappler. Best no-gi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not only American, but like everyone. I think because of his age and his and his talent, uh, I think he has the potential to be to break Garcia's record, Andre's record. He has that kind of potential. Yeah. The only Chris, thing can he, he... Can he stay sane because he's so obnoxious? I'm like, there's a kind of guy <laughs> that goes like off on a tangent in life, you know? And, and if he can keep sane, you know? <laughs> but like, it's... it's um, when you're that much of a narcissist, man, like it could... Your life can take some funny turns, you know? Yeah, the only thing he doesn't have is a, a solid wrestling game. Like he has some wrestling, but if you compare him and Galvao... Yes. Gabao would yeah. run him over, right? Yeah, I think he, I, he, I think there's a reason why he wouldn't sit with Bouchesha yeah. as soon as he could because Bouchesha would out wrestle him. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. It's probably like the the the, the weakest aspect of his game. Not that it's weak. Yeah, not that yeah. it's weak, but relative to everything else in his game, yeah. it's a weak point. Right. Yeah. Like obviously his bottom game is very good. His top game passing is very good. Submission yeah. game is excellent. Is so like I would want to see him evolve that wrestling game and round it off because. Yeah. If he developed that, because that would be like, if he faces against Galvao, that's going to be the problem. That he's not going to be able to out-wrestle Galvao with his yeah. current skill set. So that gives Galvao a lot of room to win. But he keeps right? getting bigger and bigger, man. I remember when I first saw, first time I saw Gordon Khabib, I didn't even know, I knew he, I remember him now because he fought one of my students at an yeah. ADCC trial that was in Florida, maybe like 2015. Fought Kyle Griffin. Kyle almost beat him. Kyle actually had him. He was winning until he made like a, some dumb mistake and Gordon got his back. But he was doing really well. And that was the first time. He was like a skinny, skinny kid, man. So he's been gaining weight. So by the time he fights under in two years, he's probably going to be, I don't know. But at the same, <laughs> Who knows? At the same yeah. token, Gabal's been getting bigger too. Under's like, he's just short. He's like always going to be a lot yeah. smaller. Like, although it's always been like, I remember when I first met him, he was a featherweight, but he was yeah. like, you know, 16 years old, but he's like good foot shorter. Yeah, you know? no, he's, yeah he's, 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 he's not tall. But, he's not tall. But, but, man, but his go, back is just yeah, enormous. He's fucking massive. Man. Yeah. yeah. So it, I, I don't think there would be a good, at least strength disparity. I don't think there would be any. I don't know. Man. I, I'm like the, the concept of strength. I mean, it's so, it's so little to do with actual size. Some of the strongest people I ever met were like skinny. They did, were, did not like, like, like Garcia is stupid strong. He oh, doesn't yeah. look it. I know most people yeah. don't. My brother yeah. actually grappled yeah. him, and um, my brother's like everybody likes to talk about Marcelo Garcia, like he's like suave and like, <laughs> like stupid strong. No, yeah. he's like man, like he grabbed him. He's like, he's crazy yeah. strong. His he legs hurts. are like tree yeah. trunks and like crazy yeah. strong too. Like yeah. he's like he's ridiculously strong. Yeah. He, he just doesn't and, look. And it. I, I don't correlate size and strength like you. I think for bodybuilding, yeah, for powerlifting, that makes that's true. But for when it comes to grappling, some of the strongest people I ever met didn't look strong at all. They were like skinny and completely. So I think there's something there, but it's not as there's a lot more going on when it comes to grappling strength and size. Yeah, no, I, I've yeah. seen that all my life because I've never been muscly. Like yeah. my arms never get big yeah. or anything like that. But I would, I remember I'd be wrestling and I I'd see guys with like freaking giant arms, yeah. but then I'd throw them around like yeah. they felt like hollow almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I I agree with you there. It looks are can be deceiving, but I think. In cases like guys like Galvao or like Gordon, I don't think they're deceiving. I think they're <laughs> yeah. I think they're quite. Well, I, I, I mean, but it has to do with like the the of course, preparation, the all these aspects, right? Not the size itself. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess the last thing we can talk about before we close off, uh, there was quite a few tactical errors that I saw. That it's like when people do them, like ah, oh, it's like. You were doing so well, and you just made a goof that cost you the match, right? Yeah. Like, the first one I can think of uh, was with Elvira. 
Remember, I had picked her to win, and yeah. she was facing Bianca. They were tied, and they went to overtime. And the overtime, Ariel pulled guard, ugh, pulls guard immediately, gets a minus one. Yeah, I was like, oh no, why did you do that? She stood up, and then pulled guard again and got another minus one. Yeah, I'm like, somebody stop, please. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, just no, you know, but that's Paul Miel does that every yeah. single time. He's fully aware of it, but it's just like, I'd rather take a minus one than have to wrestle. And at some point, I think he did try to wrestle someone there. Who it, who was it? Can't remember. But it's just like his wrestling is just so not there, you know. But we don't have that skill. Like you just rather give away the point, or is it just like they're forgetting about the rules? Maybe no, because yeah. like she can wrestle. Because then like she got up and she started wrestling with yeah. uh, Bianca was doing holding her own, but she ended up losing by those minus points. And then similar thing happened to Craig Jones, where yeah. he got impatient because Mateos was. Yeah, plain safe. He was aggressively stalling, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> shoving yeah, him, yeah. shoving him, but like not entering the yeah. the guard. And at some point, Craig stood up, shot, pulled, and he did it too quickly. Yeah, got a minus point. Tactical mistakes were. But were that's one. another one where the judging was kind of inconsistent because he actually shot in and then pulled. Yeah. So that should have been a minus one, but they actually gave it a two. Yeah. And then Mateus was actually uh, given a minus point. Yeah. So it would have been a tied match at some point. You know, so I don't know. But like, yeah, I, I feel like competitors, you have to be really patient. You have to have faith in your game. Well, it's, it's, there's no, when the criteria is unclear, it's hard to be tactical too. That's, That's true. the other thing. Like I've been like situations where I'm like, I'm not sure what the ref's going to do. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. Not because I don't know what's best for me. It's because I don't know what his criteria are. Yeah. You know, and if you don't know the criteria, it's very difficult to make a, a, an instructed decision. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I would hope for the, I, I don't think it's likely, but I would hope they would listen. Right. Yeah. Like, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen. They're, I yeah. think they're pretty set in how they want to run it for whatever it, reason. It's, it's a, it's a very like, um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic because it's, you know, like they, they seem to be just like, improvising a lot of times to me like they don't quite know what to do so they like do that you know and not a lot of uh, thought goes behind a, a lot of the things that they're doing i don't think you know and the, the experience is definitely not there yeah. yeah but overall like you said technique looked very good i had a couple of gripes with some people using kimura traps because they didn't execute proper technique yeah. um i saw jamel hill when he went against nikki yeah. uh he Committed a similar error that Wagner yeah. did, which actually cost Wagner the match with yeah. JT because he went for the Kimura, fell off, snuck out the back, and then in the scramble, JT yeah. got his back, right? And it's something I see a lot where it's a similar error that in the UFC, uh, Rose Namahunas made that ended up getting her spiked in her head. Yes. Yeah. Um, Andrade was, they're not using the leg hook, number one. Yeah. And what I tell people, it's a sumigayesh, yeah. right? But you're using a kimura grip instead of grabbing the, yeah. the back. So that leg hook in the inner thigh, super yeah. important because I need to throw you, yeah. right? And what's happening, they're just falling down and expecting like a guard pull. Yeah. And then that that's going to throw you over. Yeah. You got a solid base and you know it's coming. You're going to sit yeah. and then I'm just going to land in front of you, right? And now it relies on my kimura leverage, which is the second thing they're falling without having enough shoulder pressure. So they have the grip, but like, you know, like when I talk about doing yeah. the Kimura, I'm always driving behind the shoulder to yeah. double them over. And they're not doing that. So they're falling and the guy's is looking at them. And now yeah. you got a minus point or you're going to scramble and expose your back. So, yeah, I was let down by a few of the people that used it. It's like yeah. you need to clean up the technique a little bit uh, so that you don't have those type of things. Because... Whenever you're doing techniques like that, you have to have perfect technique though, yeah. because ending up on your back in this situation, it costs you the match. So, David, when it comes to our predictions, I was wrong about almost everything. <laughs> uh, I was wrong about a lot. And we were uh, but I, the one thing I, did, I was correct about, and this is a prediction I've been calling for a long, long time, is wrestling was the decisive factor. Yes. I think leg locks played a bigger role than I anticipated because of Lachlan. Because of, if you took out the Lachlan factor, then nothing. it would have been I would have been absolutely correct about that one too. Yeah. It was blown out of proportion. Like Lachlan, you know, like it was still below wrestling when the rankings of, of the deciding factor. But it was like Lachlan proved like okay, there's even more than I thought there was to this. You know, because I knew it's, it's a it's a huge world. 
unexplored in many in many uh, 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 in many ways, but it's even more unexplored than I originally thought. So, homework. Yeah, you know, so like you said, the leg locks before Lockie, there was maybe like I think three heel hooks. John Blank had one. I think Craig Jones had one. Yeah. I think someone else had one, but that was about it. And they so, consider all the matches going on. That's not a lot. That's not really a lot. Not yeah. a lot. Yeah, but then Lockie came in and heel hooked three people, but. I think it was a different variation, right? So it's not necessarily the same leg lock game that was being played. Yeah. So like everybody's already studied up on the old stuff. Oh, yeah. now we know this. But Lockie brought a little twist that not everybody was yeah. familiar with. So now I expect, hopefully, he's got a DVD coming out so that he can. Oh, I'm sure he, he can will. monetize it. Oh, oh I, the DVD sells through the roof these days. It's 100. Right? Get yeah. that son. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sure. everybody's gonna you have to evolve and learn this new format. Better. And that's the way it should be. Yes. And that's the that's the the, the real the real winner here is is grappling is jujitsu, um, is the technical developments. That's the spectacle, and we got to keep it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Dave, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think but, so. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Share it with your friends. And, um, yeah, give us some feedback, too. I like criticism. I, I'm the kind yeah. of guy I like to. I, I, my, my friends better be critical of me. I'm no interest in having yes men around me. So if you guys got any advice, any suggestions, please let us know. You know? Yeah, you could comment on the videos or just send us an email. Hit us up on social media. Uh, and if you ever have any ideas of people you want to see or things you want us to talk about, Again, we're open to to taking those suggestions. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our recap of the ADCC 2019 Submission Messing World Championships. Uh, I know some of you maybe are not all into grappling and you're more into the MMA angle, but it's such a big event that if I feel it deserves its own episode to cover it. And uh, again, if you're not already, make sure you subscribe to our channel, whether it's on YouTube or you know, you're listening to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever provider that you have. And also follow us on social media. We have our Instagram channel, Facebook, Twitter, just under the Breaking the Guard. And of course, if you need links to any of our channels, just visit our website, BreakingTheGuard.com. A final word from one of our sponsors which is the Guillotine Choke Series. The Guillotine Choke Series is a course I developed after having worked with a lot of my athletes who have had great success with the guillotine. We had, just like I have a good Kimura Trap System, I have a very good Guillotine Choke Series that my athletes have used in MMA and grappling competition with a very high degree of success. And I think besides the rear naked choke, the Guillotine Choke is the second most common submission in MMA and for a good reason. It's a very easy situation to get into. And it's probably the one submission that comes instinctually to any person. If someone tackles you, you're just going to naturally wrap their neck and try to squeeze it, right? Now, uh, guillotine is a very basic technique. And I love basic techniques because what basic to me means is not easy or not like, oh, it's, it's uh, an advanced person wouldn't fall for it. No, it's a basic technique is so powerful. It has so much leverage that even someone who doesn't know what they're doing can still finish people with it. But if you have a master level of technique with that basic technique, you become unstoppable. Pretty much like Roger Gracie with the cross choke, right? He taps out everybody with very basic jujitsu because he has focused on the high level of understanding of those basic moves. So with the guillotine choke series, that's what I strive to do with you. I'm going to show you how to set up the guillotine from all different positions, from standing off your back, from the top position, from side control. And I'll also show you how to escape in a lot of ways. So, again, if you always struggle with getting the guillotine or you feel like people slip out sometimes, and I know some people don't even like going for the guillotine because they think they're going to lose it, this is the course to watch. It's going to make you have a really strong guillotine that you'll feel confident in finishing people from all sorts of positions, and you'll also learn a lot of good escapes if you're getting caught with the guillotine because you've got a long neck, <laughs> right? You're going to learn how to get out of them. So just visit guillotinechokes.com. And you can get access to some free videos and order. Again, the, this course is also available in DVD and online streaming formats. Just visit guillotinechokes.com to learn more.